0: So what we're doing now is work with government and private sector entities, so public and private sector entities, to trial these frameworks, to, to take these okay. projects that we're doing you know, or these policies that we're, we're thinking of putting in place and ask the actual end user of this policy, does this make sense? Do you actually think this is going to help you?
1: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Encrypto podcast. Encrypted is the middle first and largest podcast dedicated to blockchain, crypto assets, and fintech. I'm your host, Ahmed Balaghi. It's been some time since I've been on the podcast, actually, but it's been just a busy start to 2020. It's been a really good start, actually, to 2020. And I really hope all of our listeners are actually enjoying the start of this new decade. I'm really, really pumped for this new episode that we have today for you. So the Dubai Future Foundation and the World Economic Forum published a new paper showcasing how the UAE is saving 11 billion dirhams through deploying blockchain technology. Now, live from Davos, we speak to Miriam el who's the head of the Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution in the UAE to discuss key insights, takeaways, and learnings from the paper. She also gives us a lowdown on the latest developments happening in Davos. Before we start the show, I'd really like to thank all those who've been supporting the show so far. So if you haven't, please do subscribe and make sure you rate and review the show because those reviews help the show a lot.
2: And now on to the episode. Hello everyone and welcome to Encrypted. My name is Ahmed al bilaghi and today we have a very special episode for you. We have somebody currently right now in Davos and we welcome Maryam El-Mahiri on the show today. Say hello.
0: Hi Ahmed, thank you for having me. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Pretty cold, but good.
2: (laughs) So tell us, how, how is Davos going?
0: Davos is going really well. We're here as part of the UAE delegation and as Mm -hmm. part of the Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution, which is collaboration between the Dubai Future Foundation and the World Economic Forum. So it's exciting Mm -hmm. to be kind of at the heart of of the forum today and over the past week. Mm -hmm. We've had really good meetings as well. You know, we've met with Professor Schwab here with the UAE delegation. We had a great panel yesterday on future readiness and leadership in the fourth industrial revolution with members of the the UA delegation as well. In terms of insights, I know that we were kind of briefly talking about that. I would say what's been most fascinating about being at Davos is just being able to see everything kind of move in front of you and all of these different people discussing topics that are so key to the way that you know the economy needs to develop or is developing or not developing to the way you know the politics are moving to climate change. Sustainability has been a big topic this year. We had Greta here, which was, I think, probably most exciting okay, for interesting. a <laughs> number of people. So it's it's been a very interesting experience and a really privilege mm-hmm. to, to be here.
3: All
2: right. Awesome. And um, so you're heading the Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution here in the UAE. But that's all I know about you. Could you quickly introduce yourself for
0: those uh, sure. who don't know you? Yeah, sure. So, as you mentioned, my name is Mary Mihiri and I head the Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution in the UAE. As I just mentioned to you, it is a collaboration between the Dubai Future Foundation and the World Economic Forum. So, I am an employee of the Dubai Future Foundation, which is considered the host entity of the mm-hmm. center. The center is an affiliate of the World Economic Forum Center in San Francisco, which initially opened in 2017. We opened mm-hmm. in 2019, so actually... We actually signed at Davos, so it's quite exciting. It's, in a way, our one-year anniversary of the center. And and we've been working on, you know, a lot of, I would say, a lot of work around what we call technology governance, which is the development of governance uh, frameworks and policy protocols for emerging technology. In this particular case, with our center, that includes blockchain and artificial intelligence and actually precision medicine, Mm -hmm. genome sequencing, in the way that we're looking at it. My, I would say my background is more in policy. I used to work at the think tank and did foreign mm-hmm. policy there, as well as cultural policy. And then I've also studied international relations and Middle East politics. So a lot of the Great. way that I approach things is much more, I would say, policy oriented than perhaps technology oriented. But it's mm-hmm. been an incredible experience to be learning all of this.
2: Yeah, I mean uh, all, all the technologies that you've mentioned, the the battle right now isn't the technologies, probably the policies and Absolutely. how you go about, you know, framing them and working around them. And just like I'm just curious to know actually, how would the, the four different things you mentioned, AI, blockchain, genome sequencing or precision medicine, which one sort of takes a line share of your work and for the center here in the UAE? Yeah,
0: for for this year, so for 2019, I mean we're in 2020, but for the year 2019, yeah. you know, blockchain was was kind of the biggest okay. portfolio we had. That was the first one we launched and the one we focused on primarily. At the end mm-hmm. of 2019, we started to move into artificial intelligence and some work there. We're doing a nice. procurement trial with the Dubai Electricity and Water Authority, actually looking at how you procure artificial intelligence. But I would say, yeah, for, for 2019, majority of, of the focus was blockchain. And we'll continue yep. to be of course, but I think 2020 is also looking at precision medicine and then trying to add in perhaps other, other topics that seem relevant for, for the year that we're in now. Gotcha.
2: Cool. Sounds good. So, so today we're, we're talking about the white paper that you guys have published mm-hmm. um, last week, right? Exactly. It was around last yeah, last week. Really awesome paper. Thank I you. think it's probably one of the first sort of insights, like really amazing insights into what's really happening in the UAE at both a, a corporate and sort of sort of private and public point of view, where you, you see the challenges, you see a few use cases and seeing how blockchain is implemented. And what I like about it is you have all this collaboration from all these entities. But of course, you're the one who led this report. Could you sort of give a background about it, um, as to you know why you guys published this and sort of what were the key findings?
0: Yeah, of course. Well, one of the main reasons that we started this report was because we had joined a project with the World Economic Forum Center in San Francisco called Blockchain for or Blockchain in Supply Chain, and. What they were looking at is the different ways that blockchains utilized in supply chain and how it can be both beneficial for, you know, efficiency, but also for transparency and security and the likes. And we joined this project to kind of learn about what's happening in this sphere, but realized quite quickly that actually we had a lot of insight to also add to, to this global community, particularly based on, you know, projects that have been happening for a number of years, given that the first Dubai blockchain strategy came out in 2016, right? So these are things that have been happening over four to five years in the UAE that we thought we could also bring to the table with other community experts uh, within the forum. This, I would say this paper is not solely the Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution. It is a a multi-stakeholder approach the same way that that the forum works. So we've done this with the forum itself. So with the, the blockchain project, Uh, leads at uh, the center in San Francisco, as well as Excellience, which is a private sector entity that work on blockchain and and other emerging technologies. So this in itself is a collaboration as well, which I think is key, as I mentioned, when looking at these technologies, since I, again, come from more of a policy background, you know, being able to have that technology know-how is key to these kind of discussions. And I think in terms of the insights and, and what was very exciting for me about this report was I think we went into it thinking we would have seven or eight case studies maximum, but once we went out to survey a number of entities in the UAE and this and just to note the center works on a federal level, so these yeah. not just you know cases from Dubai but also cases from the UAE mm-hmm. and there is the of course the Emirates Blockchain Strategy which was launched in 2018 under His Excellency Emir Al the Minister of State for Artificial Intelligence. It was amazing to see how many cases of blockchain utilization in some way or implementation are out there. And and they're all in different phases. You know, some are just starting, some have, you know, reached completion and now they're starting new projects. But I think what we really understood from from the survey was that the issue is not technology, as you mentioned um,
3: yeah. at the
0: beginning. It's not the technical know-how where perhaps that's what I might have thought it was initially. It's it's really the governance around it, which is, you know, what we really work on, right? So mm-hmm. if you look at the key findings in the report and you look actually at actually the key challenges, all of them really focus on either unclear regulatory implications mm-hmm. or the difficulty bringing together required stakeholders. And that was one of the things we kept hearing that, you know, we find a yeah. project, we find an application, it makes sense, but then how do we get the stakeholders at the table?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, this is sort of something I did want to ask you actually was, you know, usually typically blockchain networks, you need stakeholders to come together to sort of create the system or kickstart the system. And this is not usually how things are done now. It's more siloed. Why? Because there's always sort of competition between private entities and also government departments for that respect. So. And yeah, you rightly said that report showcases that the main problem that's experienced by, you know, these government departments, service providers and corporates is really the difficulty of bringing together the required stakeholders. So how are you guys actually solving that problem?
0: Now, that's a really good question. I don't think there's, a, there's an easy answer, as cliche as that response was. But <laughs> what we're trying to do is, I think, twofold. One thing that we're trying to do, and this is why we joined this project with the forum, is Mm -hmm. develop a toolkit, which will basically help Mm -hmm. decision makers from start to finish when they're implementing the technology, address the challenges they may face. So for example, there's a whole chapter in the toolkit on governance models, there's a whole chapter on how to build a consortia, a whole chapter on voting rights. So these kind of things Mm -hmm. are really about the stakeholder relationship. And we're hoping that by providing this kind of toolkit or these set of guidelines that will help provide kind of answers to how you get these people that the table and things like, you know, these are things like incentives, you, know, you need to ensure that yeah. everybody feels like they're benefiting from the project. You know, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be just one entity that owns the data, releases the data, deals with kind of the majority of it and other every other entity on that consortium doesn't have that same sort of benefit or that same sort of weight. So I think things like that are key. But at the same time, What we hope to do with the center, and and I think this is why it's exciting that we've passed the one year mark, because I think this year we learned a lot about what works and what doesn't work and what we need to do more of, let's say, Mm -hmm. is taking a lot of the work that we do with the forum and actually put it into real policy. So what we're Mm -hmm. trying to do now is work with government and private sector entities, so public and private sector entities. To trial these frameworks, to to take these okay. projects that we're doing, you know, or these policies that we're, we're thinking of putting in place and ask the actual end user of this policy, does this make sense? Do you actually think this is going to help you? Because as I say, you know, I come from a policy background. I'm not the mm-hmm. probably the end user of this policy, right? I'm not the one who's going to be implementing this technology as much as another entity would be. So I think we need yeah. to ensure we're working with the entities that actually need these regulatory
2: yeah, so I was just going to ask, when you say policy, do you mean regulation at a federal level?
0: I think that's what what we look to, I would okay. say. I wouldn't say every single time that we, we work on something, it needs to be a federal regulation I don't, or a federal mm-hmm. policy, right? I think some things are, are just kind of governance frameworks that you can give out and you don't necessarily need to enforce okay. through the law, right? Yeah. But I do think there are some things that might need to be changed or, or need to be reworked that can be more on a legislative basis and mm-hmm. and that's something that we would obviously work with the cabinet with and we work yeah. you know with the general secretariat on and, and that's a much more collaborative process
2: and has that already been happening or are you guys looking to do that that's um, something
0: that we're looking to do this year i think okay. what, as i mentioned i think what's been great about 2019 is is kind of ironing all of these things out and and seeing mm. how other centers are doing it in other countries as well. You know, we're a part of a network, I and mean, then there are a number of other centers in other countries, and, and really understanding, you know, our role within the foundation, the Future Foundation, but also our role on a more, let's say, federal basis.
2: Gotcha. Cool. So one of the stats that I liked about in the white paper, it said that 80% of respondents have already implemented or are currently implementing blockchain technology, and 52% already in post-implementation phase, which is, you know, which is pretty good. It's just that there's not much, I'd say, buzz around it. I don't know, maybe the marketing entities of these different organizations are sort of, I'm just holding back about releasing this news. I was just curious, is a majority of these in private or, or the public sector? And where do you see these use cases mostly?
0: It's a good question. I think I would say majority are probably... In the private sector, but there are quite a few in the public sector. Mm-hmm. If I could wait it maybe 40, 60. Okay. And I think the reason maybe they're not as, as discussed and as talked about, and again, this is why I thought the survey was great, because I learned, you know, a lot about the ecosystem that <laughs> I didn't know about myself, is because there was a big, you know, launch of the strategy in 2016, which is Smart Dubai office that now manage, and, and then the twenty eighteen federal strategy. But I think after that, there was a, a need to kind of get this done, right? Like these are the things that we committed to and, and now we would like to make sure that we implement it. So I think mm-hmm. there's been a focus on the implementation much more than the advertising around it, which I think is important. You know, if you need to meet the, the KPIs that you set. And I think also there's a mm-hmm. lot of testing, right? So there's a, there's testing, there's failure, there's successes. And these are things that, you know, are happening internally. And I think what's great about this report is that we, then are able to understand what those successes are, but those what the challenges are too. Mm-hmm. So I think that's maybe why they're not as advertised. Mm-hmm. With regards to kind of where these projects happen, I think majority, and again I'm not an expert, so I was gonna say don't quote me on that, but I realize I want to pause <laughs> you are quoting me on that. But what I would say is a lot of them are service based, right? But mm. you know, kind of like system based things like the land department, so with like smart contracts and the likes, I feel like that's where a lot of them have been focused on, but I think that's mm-hmm. changing, and there's a diversity that's kind of coming out of the uses. Because I think when you first, maybe when we first understood the the application of the technology, maybe initially, initially, right, it was obviously tied to cryptocurrency. But then afterwards, it was much more service based. You know, if you look at the strategies, it's to kind of eliminate over processing, to eliminate. The use of paper, so it's like to move towards a paperless strategy. So it's much more kind of a digital strategy. But I think now there's a there's a lot more awareness and understanding of what the technology can be used for, and so these cases are going to diversify.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You, you mentioned a, a keyword, cryptocurrency. What is the stance of I'd say either the UAE or the Center for Fourth Industrial Revolution or the DFF when it comes to cryptocurrency?
0: I mean, I can speak for the Center, obviously. Okay, I think that that we're very excited about cryptocurrency i think initially it wouldn't have been the first thing that i would have gone into looking into or dealt into because the risk around it but there's also been somewhat negative connotation from of course the outsiders who that would be me i'm an outsider into this Mm -hmm. but i think now you there's there's so much discussion on kind of official i don't know if that's the right word i was gonna say officializing it which i realize is not right Mm -hmm. the right word but um, <laughs> or legitimizing it kind of on a basis yes. that I think it is something that we, we kind of be, it would be blind of us not to look into it, you know. So I think mm. kind of our next project is going to be looking into digital to, to currency and digital assets. And it's also something that the, that the forum itself is very interested in looking into. So I think it's going to be a much wider discussion for 2020.
2: Great. Yeah. I think Christine Lagarde also must have said, not, not just this year, but last year as well, just regarding the crypto asset space in general, she was very bullish on, on the space generally, which is, yeah, which is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, l- let us know when you start diving into that that's that's something we like to discuss on the podcast
3: of course you'll be the
0: first to know <laughs>
2: uh, one other thing i wanted to ask was in the report you had around eight use cases i believe it was seven years seven seven use cases yes could you briefly go over them and sort of just share with our listeners you know what these use cases are about and what they were trying to predominantly solve. Of
0: course. So as I mentioned seven use cases, we split them into private and public sectors. So we start off with the private sector. The first one is DP World, which I mean I think most people know what the entity is, but if not it's a world leader in global supply chain solutions specializing in cargo logistics, port terminal mm. operations, maritime services, free zones and much much more. <laughs> and what they're trying to do is they're trying to introduce a digital platform for global trade. So they're trying to figure out basically how to make their trade logistics at the moment more efficient but also kind of more secure. So they're they're looking at creating a permission blockchain for cargo owners and kind of their trade logistics partners mm-hmm. so that all of the data sharing happens on one particular system. And at the moment I think they're in I would say they're in the first phase of implementation and they're moving forward towards that. I mean DP World has done a number of other projects, of course, yeah. um, with the technology, but this is kind of one of the big ones that they, they discussed with us. The next one is Emirates Airlines. And of course, Emirates Airlines is massive as well. And is the, the world's largest international airline. They did something very different. So yeah. what was interesting about these cases is that they're all slightly different uses of the technology. They were actually using mm-hmm. blockchain for their a loyalty app, you know, the Skywards miles. And they basically wanted to reduce the costs associated with the, the reconciling accounts and the managing payments that you would do when you have your Skywards account.
2: Yeah. I mean, it costs a ton just to transfer your miles to friends or family. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so they're trying to figure out a way to deal with that. And so they're looking to kind of introduce a standardized process for, for onboarding mm-hmm. partners to, and and thus reducing kind of the time of, of getting all of this managed and all of the members on board. Mm-hmm. So again quite different to the first one. And then we mm. had Emirates NBD, which is, you know, leading bank or banking group in the Middle East. Mm. And they were looking at combating check fraud, which is, I think, a very important case. And they basically used the technology to improve the risk and security management process with check.
3: Mm-hmm. So they
0: had put a QR code on every page yeah. of the checkbook. And then this was basically blockchain was used kind of a verification layer. So you know, in this case, it's more to security use in yeah. In DP world, it's more kind of a logistics use. And then there's Etisalat Digital, which is you know, a massive uh, telecommunications company, but also it does a number of other innovative, they provide a number of other innovative solutions and services. And they basically announced a platform in mid-2019 called the UAE mm-hmm. Trade Connect, and it has a number of banks on the platform. And, mm-hmm. and the main point of this was, again, the use of blockchain as a verification layer to detect fraud in invoice mm-hmm financing and this was to identify duplicate invoices between the network of banks there was a worry that there were a number of yeah duplicate invoices kind of going back and forth and the banks weren't aware of that because they just
2: yeah i i really do like this use case just because of how dominant the sme sector is here in particularly in the uae and middle east and just you know lots of things are that there's this huge gap between sme financing and credit and so it's just this invoice this issue of invoices can really solve you know it's actually creating a lot of problems and i believe this solution could actually solve them and lead to more financing for these SMEs as absolutely. well
0: absolutely and i think this one's also a really interesting case because there's so many people or so many entities involved mm. right it's a it's quite a massive consortium that respect and i think what's also really interesting to learn from this is how they were able to coordinate with all of these stakeholders. And again, it was about aligning the intentions and ensuring that all of the parties viewed this as like a key challenge. And as you mentioned, it is obviously a very important topic. But I think that's also why this case is very interesting to see how you could get many entities to the table. In the public sector, we have Abu Dhabi Digital Authority, which is in a way, the the digital platform now for Abu Dhabi, and it works on enabling and supporting and delivering the digital government for Abu Dhabi. And their case mm-hmm. is to support a secure data exchange platform. So what they're trying to create is an, a centralized platform for government entities to be able to exchange data. So it's really, again, the security of that, but also the ease of this exchange. Yep. And then we move into... A case that I found very fascinating because I wouldn't have thought about at the time. Now, you know, I feel like I shouldn't say that, but at the time, I hadn't really thought about <laughs> the use of blockchain in the healthcare sector. But it's the Ministry of Health and Prevention, and they basically use the technology to improve and secure organ donation. So, mm. the, yeah, it's it's really fascinating to yeah. improve access to organ transplant treatments, to accelerate the and secure the transplant process. So all of these kind of processes that happen that might take quite a long period of time now kind of been put onto the system or are using this technology for the system and you know we have things like smart contracts that are being used but also just again that data sharing i don't know i just thought it was very fascinating kind of use of of the technology for a completely different purpose than let's say logistics or finance yeah and then of course smart to buy last but definitely not least in, in this Support given that they manage the Dubai blockchain strategy and and so much of the work in Dubai has been championed by Smart Dubai and, and implemented by Smart Dubai and the one that we looked at was the Dubai Pay the payment reconciliation and settlement and and kind of the work that they did and on that and how they dealt with kind of the lengthy process of reconciliation and settlement within uh, payments on their Dubai Pay or using Dubai Pay so
2: yeah. I remember, the Ministry of Finance was involved in exactly. that somehow, and yeah, the Department this... of Finance Department, yeah, that's the one, yeah,
0: yeah. And I mean, they've obviously worked with a number of other other entities, in you know, to work on with other projects that have come out, including DWA and KHDA, Emerson BD, yep. So, yeah, that was a very, very, very high level overview. But I hope that, yeah. Of course. At least an example of the diversity of cases we were looking at, but also kind of the possibilities for the technology.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it also goes to show how much the UAE is actually doing and hopefully sort of nearing sort of the completion of, of the, the 2020 and 2021 deadlines for both the blockchain strategy and the federal strategy, too. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's great to see all this stuff happening. So if somebody wanted to to get a hold of the support and read it, where can they find it?
0: So it's on the World Economic Forum website. So you can just go straight over there or you can type in the name of the report, which is Inclusive Deployment of Blockchain Case Studies and Learnings from the United Arab Emirates. You can also find it on the center's website, which is C4IR.ae. We have a number of the reports that we've worked on with the forum, particularly in the blockchain field or in the blockchain portfolio. And I believe you can also find it on the Dubai Future Foundation website.
2: Great. If somebody wanted to reach out to you. How could they do that?
0: They can reach out to me via email. Mm-hmm. We have email c4iruae at dubifuture.gov.ae. And we're quite responsive on email.
2: Great. Well, thank you very much for coming onto the show. And yeah, hopefully, you have a splendid time in Davos thank in the next couple of days. And see you in the UAE. When thank come you back. so
3: much.
2: Thank you. Thank you.